Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Thank you for tuning in to the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. Please subscribe to our weekly Boston Bruins Hockey Talk on listening platforms such as Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Stitcher Radio, and Spotify Podcasts. We'd certainly appreciate it if you give us show a five-star rating along with a written review. You can also subscribe to our official YouTube channel for a video version of our weekly program. If you'd like to support our show financially, please go to our blackandgoldhockey.com website and click on our affiliated fanatics banner before shopping online another way to financially support our weekly program is to become a patreon member to be eligible for weekly boston hockey prizes and monthly boston bruins hand signed jersey giveaways please go to patreon.com slash black and gold hockey podcast and donate just one dollar per episode many thanks for the continued support and enjoy the show What's up, Bruins fans? Welcome back to the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. Unbelievable time of year. We're starting season seven off. This is episode 300. And the Boston Bruins, I get back on the ice in the 2022-23 regular season, Wednesday night. I cannot get over how excited I am right now. 300 episodes. Hockey's coming in three days. I'm just really, really pumped for this uh, this episode, this milestone. Joining me every week is my boy, Kevin O'Keefe. Kevin, how are we doing, buddy? Doing good, man. So excited to uh, get the season underway and 300th episode. I'm so pumped to be a part of it and that I've been a part of this podcast now for not almost a year, but we're, we're getting there. We're trucking along and um, 
I'm, I, I'm looking forward to the success that we're going to have going towards 400 and 500 and beyond. So let's get it. Absolutely. And joining us uh, today on um, Canadian Thanksgiving and so on, uh, ha- you know, happy Thanksgiving to all our Canadian folks. Uh, but here in the States is uh, our very own Black and Gold Productions uh, editor and writer, uh, Gail. Uh, Gail, you got to do the last name for me because I fumbled it already. Can I try? Can I try? Troyani. Very close. Troyani. 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 So Gail Triani is uh, with us today, and this is her first time doing a, a everyone's podcast, and we're very excited to uh, have her uh, with the Black and Gold Hockey um, Productions Company. Uh, welcome aboard, Gail, and very uh, happy to talk bees with you today. Thanks, Mark. I'm wicked honored to be here today. Um, it's pretty cool. I've been looking forward to talking hockey with you guys this way instead of just through the app, so it's going to be awesome. I can't wait. Awesome. and Wicked. And, <laughs> and joining us uh, is all is a uh, fellow blackandgohockey.com writer and he's new here as well as Gail is too but his his name is Jim Swindells. Jim, thank you very much for the time today, bud. Well, thanks for having me, Mark. Big time thrill. Looking forward to it. Can't wait for Wednesday and a huge congratulations on 300. Thanks, bud. I appreciate that. Yeah, um, things are things are really moving fast around here at the Black and Gold Productions uh, studio, uh, you know, we we got a real good team, and we want to keep growing that team with uh, more digital content creators. Um, but if you want to get involved with us and, and be a website writer or uh, start an audio podcast as an individual of, uh, with a family or, or a bunch of friends, or even get into the YouTube video uploads, we're always looking for those avenues of digital content creators to join our growing company. So um, we, we're getting more and more media access we have echl media access with the main mariners we have full season uh, media access with the providence bruins and we've been to the ninth floor of the td garden twice this preseason and we're working our way to getting a regular season game this year uh shout out to mike sullivan he was at the game last night watching the new jersey devils play the boston bruins from level nine and he is the uh the uh, host of the something bruin podcast on the bng podcast network and uh, i was there last saturday as everybody pretty much knows uh but we're gaining a little bit more access to the nhl level and i'm thoroughly excited about where this is going to go moving forward so if anybody wants to join us and they have a creative mind and uh it can be motivated and driven to do weekly content you have a place here and a platform so reach out to me at black and gold productions llc at gmail.com all right uh so three days away guys we, let's get right down and uh, down and dirty um the boston bruins start their 2022-23 campaign in washington to play the capitals on wednesday night and um, why don't we just talk about what we thought about the preseason? I really don't want to get into too many uh, games because it might just drown out a lot of the conversation. But let's just get an overall scope of, of what we saw uh, in the, these preseason games. And, and if anybody jumped out to you or not, um, keep in mind that we do have some other topics. We're going to talk about some players moving forward. So let's not, you know, especially the Mark McLaughlin. I do want to touch on that, but I don't want to go overboard in the uh, preseason talk. So let's start with Gail. Ladies first. So uh, yeah. thoughts on thoughts on the uh, the preseason so far? And um, and how, how are you gauging your uh, your fandom as the um, the, the uh, campaign approaches and, and even though it's going to be shorthanded? 
So for me, one thing with preseason, it's always about tweaking. It's not about what you're going to see when the season starts. It's more about, especially with Monty coming in as the new coach, they got to learn his system, which I noticed in preseason, there wasn't as much dump and chase as there has been in the past. So that's something I like that they're in the defense is activating. So when you're watching the preseason games, it's not so much, it's more about chemistry than it is about what the roster is going to look like for me when I watch preseason games. I'm looking for good habits. I'm looking for good decision-making, not necessarily the production, if that makes sense. Absolutely. Jim, what are your thoughts? I go back to the original hiring of Montgomery leading into all this preseason with the, uh, you know, their, their placement of we're going to open up the offense. We're going to involve the defensemen into the game plan more than what we were supposedly seeing uh, with Cassidy. I, to this point, can't argue the facts of, like Gail said, they are activating the D. Uh, Mike Riley is probably one of the best examples of that so far. Uh, definitely shows that potentially that this change in the head coaching position is going to work for his, you know, betterment. We'll see in the long run. I know that there are uh, people that have joined a considerable lynch mob, uh, con you know, concerning Riley. And as far as past performances go, it is somewhat deserved. Uh, I'm all for second chances, all for second chances. The guy is absolutely a NHL caliber defenseman. Uh, and if he's going to lend something to that defensive core from an offensive standpoint and, you know, going back to that, just the defensive core in itself, what you've seen with Zaboral, uh, you know, even going down to the farm with a Sean, I desperately want to see that kid get his opportunity in Boston. And I'm sure we're going to touch on it later on with, uh, you know, Anton Strawman potentially, but I have my thoughts as to the Strawman potential move and kind of not giving the kids their, you know, their just due. Uh, outside of that, uh, I cannot wait to see Pavel Zaka on a full-time basis. I just think that he's not banished to hell anymore in Newark. And the opportunity, the talent level that he is surrounded by in Boston is leaps and bounds better than what he was seeing previously in New Jersey. Outside of that, you know, the rest of the roster is more or less status quo, as we know. You know, there, there are some changes here and there. Um, but I love what I see so far. You know, I don't really have any doubts as to what I'm going to see outside of what we're going to deal with injury-wise for the first month or two. But once they get over those hurdles, I cannot see how this team does not excel. I really just, I see nothing but good stuff from these guys. Uh, you know, obviously injuries being, you know, considered into that factor, as long as they remain relatively healthy and they keep the core of guys healthy, they should be okay. Uh, I'm not a big fan of this narrative of, 
uh, treading water until these guys come back. I think there's too much talent out there for them to roll on a 500 level. It, there's just way too much out there. Right. Um, um, well yeah, said. That, I, that's pretty much what I've got. But well, I'll, uh, I'll side to Kevin over there. Kevin, what are your thoughts on what you saw so far, bud? Yeah, I mean, a lot of echoing, a lot of the same that was said, but um, I saw some ups and downs, uh, especially from certain players. Um, Certain players had a good half of of preseason while the second half wasn't so great, namely Zaboral. I saw a lot of good things from him early on, but he started getting a lot of – a lot of rough edges going in his game um, throughout the second half of that. Um, I hope that's something that can be worked out, but um, certain players are having some good rebounds. I think uh, Nick Felino gave himself a really good case, um, uh, especially last night. I think that um, he's showing that I am healthy. I am ready to get in there and do my best to help this team win. Um, I see, I see a lot of opportunity for some young kids as well. Um, it was a good surprise to see a lot of these young kids come out and say, Hey, I'm here. I'm ready to play. Uh, Montgomery system seems to be something that really translate well to this team, to the defense um, and to the offense. I still see a little bit of struggle in getting the puck in the net, but I, I'm not worried about that at all because there's, you know, it's not, it's not the, like Gail said, this is just tweaking tune-ups, all that, you know, we'll see how it goes in the regular season. Obviously that Rangers game, they had a really nice showing um, offensively uh, led by that check line, um, which is a lot of fun to watch at this point. I mean, uh, I want to see that line continue moving forward into the season. And I think um, a Hall Bergeron DeBrusque line could possibly work out. Uh, Dom would disagree with me when I brought that up to him, but I still would like to see if it can work out. Um, cause that line is just way too good right now to break up, but we'll see what Montgomery does. Um, I'm excited to see how this is all going to, uh, pan out, but, uh, Wednesday we will find out. Absolutely. Uh, for me during the preseason, I saw a lot of goods and, and, and some bad stuff. That's, that, that's going to be, that's going to happen when everybody's trying to jockey for position and trying to work really hard to, to secure a spot. But, you know, moving forward into the regular season, I want this Boston Bruins team to, to be a little bit better with puck management um, throughout, whether it be on your defense or your forward lines. Um, and uh, when you talk about defense particularly, and, you know, we're going to be shorthanded with uh, with McAvoy mm-hmm. being out and so on, and and obviously Marshan not being around. But, you know, there's good news about some other players we'll talk about that could be in the lineup as soon as opening night, but remains to be seen. Um, but for the defense for me, uh, regardless of who's going to be there or not, um, you need better breakouts, uh, particularly in the defensive transition. Uh, as Jim, as Jim Montgomery mentioned in his, um, this club needs more um, to be tenacious uh, in, on the pucks and, and how they move the puck out of the zone uh, in a timely fashion. Uh, and I think that if you can get all that, I know how it's, I know it's hard to gain that chemistry in a roster. That's probably not going to be the same on Wednesday, but, if you can get that into into these players' heads and so on, uh, having a, a guy like McAvoy out and Mac and uh, and Marshan is probably isn't going to be so bad. You might be able to tread water and so on and, and keep your nose above it. But um, I think it's going to be a surprising start to the season. To be honest with you, I'm a little optimistic and everything, but still, uh, I think that Montgomery's message uh, coming in here is is a fresh one. I think that the way he 
uh, does his lineup and, and orchestrates uh, everything that needs to be done is is um, is going to be a positive thing. But now it's just are the players going to buy in completely and and you know and, and stop the narrative of uh, it's it's not the players, it's the coaches and so on. But um, probably said that really bad, but. I'm looking forward to it. You know, I'm looking forward to the challenge and seeing the challenge. I'm not going to get all up in arms if they, if they lose a couple of games here and there, it, it's going to happen, but I really want this team to get back in December gelled and ready to push for a playoff spot by mid December or December at the latest. Yeah. Can, can, yeah. can I add one thing, Mark? Yeah, absolutely. Just to echo what you said about not getting mad if they lose a couple of games. My frustration is when they play down to the opponents and they don't play their game. Those are the games that drive me insane when they lose. Absolutely. Yeah. No, those are all point points that I'm needed at the end of the year when you're trying to jockey for a postseason uh, berth and uh, there's no excuses, you know, yeah. I'm not saying Ottawa is going to be a bad team this year, but I use them as an example in previous seasons. When you go into when you go into Ottawa, or you go into Boston and you're watching these two teams play, you're like, it's Ottawa. This should be a this should be two points in the bag, and then all of a sudden it's a sixty-two win for the Ottawa Senators because you played to the level or below them, and 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 you got what you deserved. And I don't want to see that moving forward. Hopefully, Jim Montgomery and 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 um and coaching staff have really, you know, in, embedded that that systems type of thing um in these players' heads moving forward. I just think it's going to be important for everybody to buy in the same and, and the message should all be the same. And, and hopefully it's, it's being read as that and not a stale thing. Like we've heard so many times in the past with, with uh, Bruce Cassidy and that maybe a disconnect in players, but um, uh, regardless, I'm still looking forward to the season and, you know, there's going to be, there's going to be hurdles. It, it's, it's a part of life. It, it, it happens when you're not having, you know, key players around, um, but it's the next man up mentality. Let's see who wants it. You know, and, and preseason's over. You know, now you have to really show it because everything counts on Wednesday night. First leg of this um, upcoming season as well has a lot of good teams sprinkled in there. So those points against teams that are below you when it comes to on paper, talent level, whatever, you need those points. You can't show up, like you guys said, you know, just absolutely playing down to your opponent. You can't do it. You need these points. These are the points you have to get. So, like you guys, I really, really need to see that, especially in the beginning of the season. Absolutely. All right, moving on to the next topic. Um, we have the roster cuts. Obviously, it's the preseason, and times like this need to be done. So, place, um, players were put on waivers um, for um, Providence, and um, and every I believe everybody – uh, went through, which I was actually shocked about. So on October 4th, the Boston Bruins general manager, Don Sweeney, announced that Connor Carrick, Oscar Steen, Nick Wolf have been placed on waivers for purpose of assignment to Providence. They all cleared. Victor Berglund, uh, Mike Callahan, Kai Visman have all been assigned to Providence. And on October 6th, uh, GM Don Sweeney mentions that uh, goaltender Keith Cade, Kincaid, Una Kampanen, Vinny Letary, and Dan Renouf have all been placed on waivers to go to Providence. They all cleared. Uh, Jack O'Shawn, John Beecher, Kyle Kaiser, Fabian Lysel, and Mark McLaughlin have been assigned to Providence. So um, I'll start with uh, with my 
thoughts on the uh, the the you know the roster cuts and so on. I, I really thought that Mark McLaughlin really showed proved that he he belonged on this opening day roster, and I was kind of uh, shocked that he didn't get further looks into this preseason or or you know leading up to the the regular season on Wednesday. Um, and I thought that he outplayed a lot of uh, some of the veterans on this on this current team. And it frustrates me. Um, and it's, it doesn't frustrate frustrate me to the point that I'm, I'm angry like so many other Bruins fans. But it's just the message that we're being told. You know, if you're the better player, you'll get the time. I've heard that for I don't know how many damn years now, and it's just the the veterans have always prevailed. It's always been the guy that makes the more money gets that roster spot, and I do not like that terminology or or that avenue that this Boston Bruins team always gravitates to because we have seen Mark McLaughlin work out work uh, outwork several players on this Boston Bruins team, and that message is just, it's just getting old and I'm, I'm just so frustrated with it. And it's not, I'm not frustrated because Mark went down. I'm, he's going to learn. He's a kid. He's, he's going to be a future Bruin. And you know, I get the process and I understand why, but when the message is uh, we're going to give time to the people that really deserve it, you you didn't, you're basically just telling everybody a lie. And, and that's frustrating to me. So Gail, what are your thoughts on uh, these roster cuts? And, and if, uh, do you agree, disagree on, on a player or not? Well, um, if you haven't read my latest article for Black and Gold Productions, which is I agree with the moves, maybe not necessarily McLaughlin, but I listened to um, Jim Montgomery's press conference after he got sent to Providence, and he talked about that he had a great camp. He had great offensive production um, that he, you know, but he still needs to learn and grow the physicality the um the good decision making and to grow into what the Boston Bruins expect him to be. So I look at the fact that he's gonna probably get 20 minutes plus a game in Providence versus eight minutes to 10 minutes in Boston because he's not gonna outplay Pasternak, David Krejci, uh, Craig Smith, he's just not going to get those minutes. He's not going to get the minutes over Bergeron into Brusque. So I'd rather see him get those minutes and grow, get some weight on him so he can get that physicality and learn how to play really in this system and then come up here and be the replacement for when Bergeron's no longer here, Krejci's no longer here. So I'm okay with the moves. Um I'm not sold on the fact that he maybe didn't get a spot over AJ Greer. I get that AJ Greer has a little bit more physicality and that's probably why he got the, he hasn't been cut yet over McLaughlin, but I don't think we're, we're not going to see, we are going to see McLaughlin this year and Pasternak, Bergeron, Krejci and Martian, they all played a season down in Providence. It doesn't hurt them. It helps them. Exactly. It's just my take on it. <laughs> Anybody else? I'm very much on your side, Mark. I don't like the message. I just, for the life of me, wonder where this decision-making is coming from. Is it ultimately uh, Monty's team? Uh, are these just solely business decisions? 
that are made on the uh, the almighty dollar bill, or are we in fact going to actually put the best guys out there on a night tonight? My initial reaction is we're not going to. Uh, it's going to be, again, like I said earlier, I'm all for second chances. And although I didn't see last night's game, uh, from everything I've heard, it sounds like Nick Foligno had himself, uh, you know, a standout game compared to what we've seen the rest, uh, the rest of the preseason. It's the Chris Wagner's with, you know, uh, making what appears to be the regular season roster over McLaughlin, who has shown, at least to these eyeballs, a ton of energy, uh, a ton of want to get to where, uh, you know, you're just going to ultimately make things happen, working in the corners, uh, you know, being that presence out front, just busting his ass to make things happen. Uh, I want the fresh energy. I want the guys that want it. I want the guys that, you know, even in their own hearts, ultimately feel that they deserve it. Uh, I, I just, I really wonder where this is all coming from. I have my doubts and I'm sure you guys would maybe somewhat agree. It's potentially coming from the front office. Cause again, back to the, you know, the money aspect of it, it's, it's incredibly unfair in my eyes to these kids. Uh, I'm not against sending them to Providence for the sake of, you know, developing their game to enhance certain aspects that they feel that they need work on. That's that's ultimately fine. Um, but there's really nothing that I haven't seen that says that Mark McLaughlin, as of this point in time, is not ready for Wednesday night moving forward. Uh, I mean, really outside of him, obviously he's the one that everybody points to. He is the the glaring exception, it seems. Uh, I want to see these kids get a chance. That's why they're ultimately signed and or drafted by, uh, you know, Sweeney in the front office. I, I just don't understand the dedication to the vets in terms of anything outside of the money aspect of it. Uh, I mean, we can beat our heads into the wall on the subject <laughs> because it's just, it's to me, it's maddening. It, it's, it's a, these decisions are, uh, they're self-inflicted by bad contracts, by excessive money. And, you know, the cap obviously drives these decisions to an extent. I just, I, I'm, I'm absolutely baffled by the McLaughlin decision. It, it makes no sense to me. And moving forward, you know, I think he's, like Gail said, he's going to get his opportunity. There's absolutely no doubt about that. Uh, the first time that somebody stumbles out of the gate, he's probably the first guy to take the trip up 95 and he's going to get his shot uh, once again. And hopefully this is the one that, you know, makes him stick for good or, you know, and, until they see fit where there's something in his game that does not work for them. Yeah. Well said, Kevin. <laughs> oh man. So I'm going to start this off with Mark. What have I been saying all summer? Okay. When it comes to Mark McLaughlin. What have I been saying about this kid? You've been pumping his tires throughout the whole offseason. He is NHL ready. This kid is NHL ready. When I Now, everyone has had great points. I think everyone has had something that they've said that is a great point. 
Um, you know, Gail talking about him going down to Providence to get some good minutes. And uh, there's nothing wrong with playing in Providence. You know, even players like Bergeron, Krejci, Marchand, DeBrus, all these players have spent a year in Providence. Totally agree. Jim, I'm furious too. I get you, bud. Mark, absolutely. You too. I get it. Trust me. I get it. Um, but for me, when I look at Montgomery and his press conference, I see him being fed stuff to say to appease the fans. That is all I see. Because when it comes down to physicality, who's right there in front of the net smacking away at the puck getting goals? It takes a lot of physicality to stand your ground and be able to get goals in the NHL at that in that dirty area. I don't know exactly looked, what goal you're talking about, too. It's a Philadelphia he looked, goal. Yeah. He's looked good along the boards. Everyone gets tossed around. In the, I've seen Pasternak get dumped on his ass more than anybody in the NHL, <laughs> and he is up there. Physicality, my ass. I, I, I don't agree with anything that this team has done to this point when it comes to Mark McLaughlin. That kid is ready. He should be in that lineup. Yeah, Chris Wagner's shown some stuff. He's had a good camp. Nick Foligno's had a better last leg of the camp. That's fine. I get it. You're going to give it to the vets. You're going to give them all the money they need. Well, you know, it's going to come down to the money that they're getting. It's going to come down to contracts, how McLaughlin can be sent down and brought right back up, waiver exempt. I get it. That's why this whole summer I've been, you know, with Mark and Dom saying stuff like, you know, he's NHL ready. He should make the team, but he won't. But he won't. The writing was on the wall. We already knew this was going to happen. We just had Ryan Mouchanel on the program last week, and he said this is an organization about, you know, going out and earning your spot and and getting the opportunity and taking it. Here we are again. We've seen that happen. Studnika last year. He didn't get that opportunity. Now Mark McLaughlin this year. He's not getting the opportunity. So, yeah. Whatever it may be, but, you know, Gail, Jim, Mark, you're all right. He is going to get his opportunity. And, boy, when he gets his opportunity, he's not going back. He's not going back. I think he can do exactly what Craig Smith does right now. Maybe better. Maybe better. That kid is damn ready to go, and I think he should be on the third line in Boston right now, today. And that is just where I'm going to end it because I'm getting mad. <laughs> no, no, I feel you. I feel yeah. you. I do. And before we go into the athletic greens um, ad read, um, I, you know, it is. It's almost like you, you hear it from Jim. He's like, I want to connect with these players, and you, and you think that the message is going to be done, but and he does that message, and all of a sudden, it's just like the higher ups are, are like, Hey, Jim, we might want to tweak what you were saying. You know, I, I just, I, I hope that they are more willing to let. Montgomery's leash go a little longer than previous coaches when it comes to the youth and so on. Uh, and I do not like the idea of the, uh, the sal I mean, the salary cap number dictating your roster spot. I mean, to me, that's bad business. And I understand that it, this is a business driven freaking, you know, sport and so on, you know, it's a results based sport. But to me, if you want those results, you got to have more faith in your youth. This goes back to my comments when people were like, oh, Bruce Cassidy's gone. He didn't give the young kids a chance, blah, 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 this and that. And I always said, this is not a Bruce Cassidy problem. This is an organization problem, and you're about to see it again. And now Montgomery is probably going to get thrown under the bus by Bruins fans once again. And I I, I watch, watch, just watch it unfold. Watch it unfold. That's all I'm going to say. And, and one 
person or company we do not throw under the bus here is Athletic Greens. And Gail is going to read the ad read for us. Our newest partner, Athletic Greens, has just the product to improve your everyday life. I started taking AG1 because I was sick of taking all those tasteless little pills every morning to get the results I wanted for my gut health and immune system. Now I've been on it for a couple of months and I love it. It doesn't taste like it's super healthy. It has kind of a mild tropical taste that I actually look forward to each morning. So what is this stuff? With one delicious scoop of AG1, you're absorbing 75 high quality vitamins, minerals, whole food sourced ingredients, probiotics, and adaptogens to help you start your day right. This special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, recovery, focus, and aging. All the things. I personally use it in the morning to get my day started just right. Just put it in my travel bottle and I'm ready to go. I have more energy to face the day and my gut health has been better than ever. My family and friends ask me what the secret is to my lifestyle improvement, and I always tell them AG1. Need even more reasons to try AG1? I got you. It's a lifestyle friendly whether you eat keto, vegan, dairy-free, or gluten-free. It costs you less than $3 a day. You're investing in your health, and it's cheaper than the cold brew habit. Athletic Greens has over 7,000 7, five-star reviews and is recommended by professional athletes. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop and a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com backslash BNG. Again, that is athleticgreens.com backslash BNG to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Absolutely. Well done on the ad read. Love it. Love it. Love it. When everybody else gets uh, involved in uh, our uh, tremendous sponsors because uh, they truly go uh, out in a limb to continue to work with us. And we, we appreciate that. But uh, we're back talking bees hockey, getting ready for Wednesday and, and puck drop in Washington against the Capitals. Um, but before then, the Boston Bruins need to get salary cap compliant. Um, and Jim, you actually brought this up as a, as a topic of discussion. And uh, and your concern is, uh, are the Bruins going to use that LTIR moving forward with uh, Charlie McAvoy's 95 and uh, Brad Marchand's, uh, I believe he makes 6.5. I'm to, to, not sure on that number. But um, um, the Puckpedia.com website also came out with a with an article. But before I get into all those details, Jim, I, I'd like to ask you first, um, what brought this topic on that you wanted to bring to the program today? I just feel that it's been inevitable since the outcome. Uh, you know, the, the very get-go of camp, it just... I think that pushing the inevitable to the very end of the line for them is what ultimately is going to make this happen. Uh, you know, obviously they're, I believe it's two seven over the cap at the moment, somewhere in that range. And, you know, everybody's thinking was that, well, they're going to need to make a roster move to, uh, you know, get themselves under the, under the cap. And I think, 
what they ultimately were planning on was we're going to take a look at everybody in camp. We're going to understand what they're going to be able to contribute to us. Obviously, like you've said, you know, it, it, it's a business. It's going to come down to that number at the end of the day and how do we get under it. Uh, the obvious solutions earlier in preseason were to, you know, the rumors of Craig Smith being traded or at least on the block to be traded, uh, you know, back to the lynch mob with Mike Riley, everybody looking to get rid of him as quick as they possibly can. And those two guys are, in terms of the number, they get them under the cap instantly. Uh, I think for the most part, they've proven that they're going to fit into this team's plan in some way, shape, or form. And waiting until the very last moment to see where you're going to stand in terms of uh, being compliant with the cap, they are, I, in my belief, they're going to make a move, whether it's Marchand or uh, McAvoy, and they're going to push them to LTIR, and they're going to wait until you know, the decision ultimately needs to be made in terms of how they're going to get there. Uh, you know, once the season starts, injuries, you know, poor performance, whatever it may be, those things are also going to dictate where they're going to stand. I just think it's been, you know, something that's waiting in the wings. They're just waiting to ultimately make that decision. Whoever it's going to be in terms of that number, it's going to give them the relief that they're looking for to get to that number in terms of the cap. And they will address it when the time comes. They're going to wait and see every possible aspect, every possible angle from literally every guy on this roster. And they will go from, you know, Wednesday night until, you know, these guys start returning from injury and then they will ultimately make that decision. That's just, I, I, I just didn't believe at all that this was going to be solved through a roster move by you're going to trade X player or you're going to trade Y player. And that's going to, you know, magically make you compliant with the number. I just feel that this is, uh, it's going to be a parachute move for them. It's going to give them a net to fall into until these guys return from injury. And then they're going to ultimately make the call. Pretty simple in my book. Uh, so before I read this uh, tremendous article from puckpedia.com, um, Kevin or Gail, do you guys want to touch in on your thoughts of using LTIR for the players that, to be honest, could use it? And, um, you know, and, and I'll, I'll, I'll uh, fill out for the details on the consequences and some of the scenarios that puckpedia.com uh, did. So if you guys want to chime in, now's the time to do it. I'm just here to listen on this one because I'm a learning boy on this one. Uh, it's always good to have Dom here for this type of stuff. Uh, get well soon, Dom. Absolutely. But, uh, yeah, so I'm here to listen on this one. Gail, any yeah, thoughts? I just want to add that I, I wish that more fans would listen to this because it, it's such a complex business and it, it's a, it's a sport, but it's also a business. And these moves that Puckpedia explains, I can't wait to hear you read them out because I think a lot of fans need to understand this. I wish the fans got me a new iMac because it's goddamn so slow. I had to break <laughs> out the uh, the iPad. Jeez. But, um, you know, I mean, Puckpedia.com, if you have the time, please go to that website and bookmark it. It's one of the greatest uh, cap um, uh, salary resources, that, much like Cap Friendly as well. 
Um, but they wrote an article about the uh, the good and the bad of LTIR. And I want to point out the consequences of using LTIR in this particular article. Um, while using LTIR allows a team to exceed the cap, there are some negative consequences to being an LTIR team. LTIR teams do not accrue cap space during the year. If a team has $1 million of space available in their LTIR pool on day 10 of the season, assuming no other roster moves, they will, would still have only $1 million of space left at the trade deadline. For non-LTIR teams, $1 million of projected cap space on day 10 of the season will allow them to add a player with a $4.6 million cap hit at the trade deadline. Big difference right there. By definition, a team using LTIR all season would finish the year with a final cap hit greater than the salary cap. As a consequence, any performance bonuses earned by players on that team during the season are carried over and added to the team's cap hit for the following season. A total of 14 teams have performance bonus overages from 2021-22 on their 2022-23 cap sheets. So uh, scrolling down to some scenarios that the Boston Bruins could do uh, to be cap compliant and possibly not use the LTIR. The, uh, the fantastic folks over at puckpedia.com have mentioned that um, when I get scroll down to it, do, 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 do. LTIR candidates are Brad Marchand, 6.125 million, Charlie McAvoy, 9.5 million, and Matt Grizzlick, 3.6 million. We'll talk about Matty G later on and uh, Taylor Hall as well. But for the for uh, context, this is just they were listed in, in the article. Um, LTIR pool moves. The most recent practice lines in the Bruins have a projected roster of 23 active players, including 15 forwards, including Taylor Hall, who may be ready to start the season, uh, Jacob Lauco, A.J. Greer, Jack Stanika, and six defensemen. However, this roster is 3.7 over the cap, which is more than LTR IR candidate Grizzlick's 3.6 million cap hit. A solution is to waive and demote Chris Wagner, send down waiver eligible Jacob Lauco and recall John Beecher at 925,000 and Fabian Lysel at 894,000. This roster of 15 forwards, six defensemen, and two goalies is 3.6 over the cap, which is 27,000 less than the maximum LTIR pool with Grizzlick is on LTIR. Subsequently, uh, they could place McAvoy and Martian on LTIR, adding their cap hits to their LTIR pool and available cap space, then f- uh, flip back Beecher and Fabian Lysel for Jacob Lauco and Chris Wagner. Some very interesting scenarios there. Kevin, you almost look like you do, you're in total disbelief. And was it my stunning reading that got you that puzzling face? <laughs> Just so much information, my head hurts. I'm sorry to say <laughs> this stuff will. I'll never grasp this stuff. Um, it's uh, like I understand, like the, like the. I don't know if there was a book called like uh, Cap for Dummies. I probably can get like you know the gist of things, but um, I'll never know the ins and outs of it the way people like Dominic Tiano. 
do. I, I've never really studied it. Maybe if I studied it more or something like that, but it's it's always so mind-boggling to me how that all works because there's, there's also so many loopholes and, you know, ways to circumvent. And it's, God, I, I feel for the guys who have to uh, figure this stuff out on a daily basis. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> Anybody else have thoughts before we quickly move on to another topic? Good. Okay. Um, so, uh, Jim, Jim Montgomery is the new head coach of the Boston Bruins. And, uh, Jim, you also brought up this one as well. Um, what are your concerns with, uh, with the new coach, new message, and, uh, and obviously, uh, you know, a new goal? The one of the, well, it appears that when he was brought on board, that he was, uh, hired as a, Players coach, a guy who's, uh, you know, going to be more responsive to what the players are looking to accomplish out there, maybe not be as hard as previous uh, coaches inside the organization. Uh, my, we, we touched on this briefly. My concern with him is the leash and what he's going to be given in terms of the best possible roster to put out there it's obviously he can he can see the talent in terms of what's going to help this team move in a positive manner my concern is the upstairs uh interference Uh, i'll be as nice as i can about that i kevin stated it earlier you know it appears from that aspect not a whole lot has changed. Again, we're only at the outset here, but just that you're not in a position starting on Wednesday night that he's not given what we seem to think is the best possible roster to put out there versus the Caps and moving forward in the first month or so of the season. I just, I I wish the leash appeared longer than it is. It just seems that management has their hands in the pot a little bit more than they probably uh, proclaimed that they would be doing when they initially brought him on board. Uh, the style in itself, I don't think we're going to really have any issues with it. I think you've seen some good stuff. Uh, the defenseman, as we touched on earlier, there seems to be more of that, you know, play making ability. Let's try to turn something into a positive, not just as Gail said, dumping it in, and trying to find a way to you know win possession of the puck and work it that way. I just I I my ultimate concern is is this guy gonna ultimately be the scapegoat once again? And when it comes time when things are ultimately you know trending downward, where's the finger pointing gonna come from? And over the summer, you know, the fan base had you know real issues with uh, the direction <laughs> that the franchise appeared to be going uh, in, in terms of the front office, why weren't the necessary moves made that you know the everyday fan wants made? We don't know the ins and outs. We don't understand the inner workings, what's going on there. It's just that it appears that Sweeney slash Neely, they have at least to these eyeballs, an endless leash. Uh, bad roster moves, bad signings. The inability to give these coaches 
you know, the chance to implement these kids over a longer term than they're actually given to give these guys a look. Uh, you know, the, the first hiccup in your game, you're either ninth floor or you're heading down 95 to Providence. And you need somebody else in the chain to fail in order for that to become an avenue for you to get back in the lineup. I'm all about, you know, learning on the fly, learning by design, learning by failing. To me, punishing these kids by sending them up to the ninth floor to, you know, soak in the game, to get a better understanding of it all. It may work initially. I just don't see that as being, you know, a successful avenue with a lot of these kids. They need to play. They need to understand what they're out there against and things that they're going to need to do to upgrade their game, to, to be a contributor to this team. And that's where, and I hope I'm wrong, I just think that he's going to be ultimately the scapegoat. I mean, he's he's hired to be fired ultimately anyways. That's just the way this works. Yeah. But, uh, you know, with this situation with Marshan and, and McAvoy and to a lesser extent Grizzly, they need the best lineup out there every night. They need, as we said earlier, every possible two points that they can accumulate on a nightly basis because they're going to need them. They're going to need them. They're, you know, you've got the Tampas, you've got the Torontos, you've, you've got Montreal, oh, not Montreal, you have Florida, and you're going to have to win these games. And I just don't feel like he's been given the tools to succeed out of the gate. Simply well said. Well said. Gail, what are your thoughts? Um, so I somewhat agree, somewhat disagree. Okay. Um, so I think that – so I, I really don't want to talk about Cassidy, but I'm going to talk about Cassidy for a minute. He was definitely a scapegoat, but he also kind of dug his own grave because he really – he became a fan's coach because he called out the players – but Neely told him, you got to watch that line because you don't want to lose the respect of the same players that you're calling out to the fans. And I, so I didn't see much from DeBrusque. So I was happy when he sent DeBrusque up to the ninth floor. I'm still not sold on DeBrusque. I know a lot of people love him. I'm not a DeBrusque fan. I'm really not. So I don't think that you should just get your spot because you're a veteran or you're a young guy clawing your way in. You need to earn your spot. And I want to talk about DeBrus more later, but I'll just say that I think that from what we've heard about Montgomery in the past with his players um, previously is that he is a player's coach and I'm, I'm excited to see because I think when you're playing for a coach that you respect and you're playing with chemistry, you play better. And so I'm just looking forward to see what he can bring. And I'm not sure that preseason we can di dictate whether or not he's going to be on a short lease. I think we need to see what happens when the team actually starts to play. Kevo, how are you? So um, I want I want to I want to go back to the whole thing about uh, you know young players getting a chance. This that. 
Now, I totally agree young players need to get a chance, but I only agree that the players who stand out and should be in the NHL should get that chance. I mean, I feel like there's a lot of people out there talking about certain players who need to get this chance, that chance. But when you're a team that year in and year out is vying for a Stanley Cup championship, especially with the overblown, the over overly said closing window, which we've heard for the past 10 years, I swear. Um, you know, we always are hearing about the closing window. Um, if a young player is making a mistake, that's something you can't afford when you're going for a Stanley cup. So we've seen young kids, we've seen Carlo, we've seen DeBrusque, you know, we've seen young kids like this who come in and McAvoy who come in and grasp it and go there. We've seen it time and time again. And that that's not even going back too far. What what are we going back to 2018, you know, 2017, when that, when that happened since then, I haven't really seen anybody other than Stunika and camp last season and McLaughlin this year. And maybe a little bit of Stunika this year. I think Stunika deserves to have a spot there, um, especially over a guy like Nosek uh, to this point. I, I haven't seen really much in Nosek that m- makes me believe he should be out there. I'm seeing a lot more out of a guy like Studnika. I think he's, sorry, excuse me. Uh, he's ready to, you know, go in there and take a spot, whether that's fourth line or not. I mean, I think he's ready for that. Um, so I, I don't think they've dropped the ball that much. I just think a lot of these players just aren't really going to get there NHL wise. I mean, there's, there's a decent amount of players who are probably not going to be able to get there and it is what it is. I mean, we have the young players who, you know, excel and they grasp that and they get in here, they grab that, that, um, you know, whatever they bust through the ceiling. We'll say that. Um, but I'm, I'm starting to talk in circles a little bit, but that's pretty much where I kind of disagree a little bit. Um, I think what will happen with Montgomery is I, where I agree with Jim, he's going to be able to do only what he's allowed to do. And that's the unfortunate side of things. Um, you know, like a player like McLaughlin, I, I truly think Monty probably in his mind was thinking, I want this kid on my roster, you know, but of course you have, you know, the, uh, and, and I'm not even going to, I'm not even talking about Sweeney nearly. I'm talking about the Jacobs. These are the guys that control everything, everything underneath puppets. And it sucks. You know, it really sucks. A lot of people have been saying for years that this team needs to be sold to somebody who's going to allow the hockey minds to run it. And I don't know when we're going to see that. But, you know, one thing I can say is that I'm lucky enough to have been able to watch this team be competitive over the past 10, 11, you know, 12 years, however long it's been. And um, I, I think they have a good opportunity to continue that moving forward. And I think Monty is definitely a fantastic coach to get that going in the right direction. And for me to push back a little bit, Kevin, and I totally agree on the Monty edition. I think it's a, it's a fresh voice and so on. And it's something new that the players could really grasp onto and, and move forward with. But I'm also going back on kind of what Jim's saying too. Is this like a stopgap for – if, if a finger point is need to be done and, it, and, you know, if he's doing his job and trying to, you know, what I ultimately what I really want him to do is like do the reverse Billy Bean. I want Monty to get the freaking roster from Don Sweeney and say, I want this person here. I want that person there. And yep. I want this person there. And this is the team that we need to succeed. Kind of mm-hmm. like that. You know what I'm saying? 
But I also, when it comes to young players, I'm also seeing besides the candidates that you mentioned, Kevin, like the McAvoys and and this and that, that would just that you know have a higher notoriety in this organization and, and well well respected when they started. But I just don't see this Boston Bruins team giving these younger players enough consistency to get their game back after they make a mistake or after they go up to the ninth floor and see a game. They come back down a week later, they make another mistake, and then they're gone. So I just don't – lately I don't see it. But hopefully Jim's the type of guy that can get into Don Sweeney's head, which is a very, very hard thing to do. But and say we need to do this instead of maybe what the plan has been continually drawn out to be year by year. Go ahead, Gail. But to add to that, it's like you said, you want Monty to have the roster. I think we all want our coach to have a hold of the roster. But unfortunately, those contracts and that cap salary hinder that from happening. So as much as we we, we collectively as journalists, media, fans, and everyone else in between want Monty to be able to take the reins and be in control of his roster, he doesn't have full reign. Because Sweeney has the contract, Sweeney has the cap space that he's got to figure out. And unfortunately, like you said, he answers to Jacobs. He answers to, you know, so there's a much bigger picture that unfortunately, that's the business aspect of it that we as fans will never understand. And and business always wins. It, it just seems like that. Business always wins. Get over the fandom and learn that. There's two sides to every road, and um, and that's what you got to do. But when talking about good business, seriously, what a segue right there! Is we got to talk about our good friends over at BetOnline.ag. Football is back, and BetOnline.ag remains your number one source for all your football betting needs this season. You'll always find the latest football odds, team matchup info, player news, and game trends at BetOnline.ag. As your continued source for all your sports wagering information, BetOnline.ag features live betting, free contests, and live scores and giveaways all season. Always the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports events. And you can bet on Major League Baseball, MMA, tennis, boxing, and even golf. Head to BetOnline.ag to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Make sure you use our promo code CLNS50 to receive your rewards. That's CLNS50. BetOnline.ag. It's where the game stats. Stats. Because I'm doing it like other podcasts do when they get their Bastin freaking accent going. (laughs) (laughs) Well, when you're from Boston, it's almost inevitable. I know. But we do thank BetOnline.ag for continuing to be with us for another whole season. Those guys are fantastic. And and it's my go-to to place a, a bet on a safe and reputable website that's been around for well over uh, two decades. And um, safe, uh, safe responsibly. Please bet responsibly because nobody wants to see anything happen to yourself for making a stupid wager. Do not mortgage a house. Please don't do it. Go ahead. Um, I want to pick up where we were kind of were before we went into the ad read uh, for Bet Online, which is fantastic. Like you said, I want to uh, I want to point out that there are some other young guys who were who were able to get that good chance. Um, one, we'll go with Saboro. 
who only lost that chance because of injury. He was kind of, you know, really pushing himself. Uh, it was an opportunity where there was an area of need, and he came in, and he did great. Uh, Lozon, um, he was doing awesome up until his um, injury that he had in that season. He came back. He wasn't quite the same. Uh, Yerho Vakaninen, another guy who came in and really was able to shine and given that chance to shine. So we've seen it. Now, the only other player I didn't mention that I think – maybe could deserve a good opportunity as well is Jack Ashan. Now, but now I want to go around and ask you guys this, when it comes to the defense, who would you rather have in the lineup right now? If you're trying to be competitive and win a cup, Jack Ashan or Mike Riley. Gail, (laughs) what do you want the spot? Go for it. Uh Well, I (laughs) mean, so the two games I saw Mike Riley play under Jim Montgomery is the Mike Riley that I think we expected to see, but didn't see over the last two seasons. If he can be that consistent, I'd want Mike Riley. That's just my opinion. I'd rather send Connor Clifton packing than any other defenseman. Okay. Jim, I'll pack his bags for you. Ooh, Clifton. I'm, I'm, I'm done. I just can't do it anymore. It's it's we're back to the mistakes thing. When he looks good, he looks really good. When he doesn't, good god. <laughs> the mistakes are they they're just so over the top bad and they just they hurt them. Uh I'm a huge Ashan guy. I like what I see. I like the skating ability. I like the puck possession. I love the puck possession. Uh I wish for the life of me that this video was out there and I have looked far and wide and I can't find it. There was a game and we saw a, a small example of this in the Philadelphia game with the Sean that play behind the net where he was, you know, basically touring the offensive zone on his own. He got dumped, jumped right back up on his skates and started working away again. He had yep. a shift like that last year down in Providence that just, absolutely put my jaw on the floor and that's what opened my eyes to him he works hard does he ultimately deserve a chance right now in the here and now i'm not so sure i think i agree with gail right now what we see with riley what you've seen in the last few games in terms of what he's showing i want the more seasoned guy out there for now if Ashan starts to show down in providence that you know there is an, an absolute big step to his game He's going to get his opportunity. There's no doubt about it. Um, I want to see the continuation of what he was doing down there last year, the way he quarterbacks that power play. Now, granted, moving up to Boston, he's not going to see those kind of minutes. It's just not going to happen. But the potential is there at some point in time down the road. I think that the Bruins at this particular moment are ready to ride with Riley. It's – it's ride or die. If he implodes and the game regresses back to what we've seen previously, they're going to make that call down. As long as the Sean's on the, on the upward side, oh, trend. Mm-hmm. they're going to go right back to him and they should go back to him. He, I believe gives them what they're looking to do in the future with what Montgomery wants to do with what the front office wants to do. They want the defense to be more engaged offensively. And he, in my eyes, 
at least from a standpoint of what's down on the farm, he's the perfect guy for that. He's not, you know, everybody will owe the size, you know, this, that, and the other. I worry about this thing right here. He's yep. got the ticker. He is a go guy. He is energy. He's built like a damn fire hydrant. He yeah. is. He's, he's literally probably my size, at least from the head to the waist. <laughs> <laughs> and then everything after that, it's just a no contest. I, 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 I tap out at that point. <laughs> I, I want to see him. I really do. I, I think time is going to dictate that you're going to see him. Uh, but for the time being, let's go with what we've seen with Riley. There's no reason that that can't help them. None. Uh, Clifton, again, where does he live? Get the bags going. I'm done. Uh, let's move on. There's better options inside the organization. Uh, you know, what What the you know eventual outcome is with him, if he's actually, uh, you know, solidified a spot in that lineup, I don't think we, the three of us, or the four of us, really know if that's, uh, a given at this point, True. again, back to, you know, the numbers thing and all that, but I, I, I want to see Riley from the get go and I'll leave it at that. Mark. Uh, I see this is a tough one for me because I'm a big fan of Ashan. seen a ton of him since he came in the organization down in Providence. Uh, uh, you know, I used to love work when he was working with uh, Brady Lyle in that first year. I, it was just tremendous. Um, but to me, and what I've seen in preseason, small sample size of how Mike Riley has really stepped up and wants to be a part of this organization. Now, going on to Gail's point previously, that might have been the new message. Uh, you know, new coach, uh, new system kind of sort of. Um, it might might have, uh, you know, re- revitalized some of his, his career. And uh, he wants to be a better player and, and, and can play in this type of system. So... To me, yeah, I'm going to go with the experience first, and Mike Riley's definitely got it. But I'm not going to, like, just throw a Sean to the Wolves here and just bury him in Providence either. The guy, like like Jim said, the guy's been a really workhorse throughout his career in this Boston Bruins organization, regardless of level. He's done it at the NHL level, and he continues to work really hard at the AHL level. So, to me, that's just good depth. So if you need to break glass in the cases of emergency, a player like Ashan is not a bad guy to have in the wings. Unfortunately, it sucks as a player like him because he has been grinding it out really hard lately um, in the past couple of years to get that consistency at the NHL level. But like they say in the American Hockey League, it's the always hungry league. You go down there and you never stop working because, to be honest with you, you talk to so many former players and even current players – the league down there in the A is just coming at you so much more faster. That's why they call it the top developmental league of the of the National Hockey League. It's the best league. It's the second best league in the world, in my opinion. And that's where you really hone your skills and so on. So if he can go down there and continue to work hard and so on, I like him as that emergency, uh, that break glass in case of emergency. But I'm going to have to go with Mike Riley right now because I'm I'm seeing a lot of good positive things in in his puck possession, his puck movement, and his transition out of the zone, which is probably the same thing that I already said, but I love repeating myself. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm going to go with the experience. But then again, this was just preseason two, so it was an influx of, uh, of, of roster spots that are just trying to for further evaluation and so on. 
I want to see his game um, progress into the regular season. All right. So I think we're all in agreement here on Riley um, over Ashan at the moment. And I say at the moment because, you know, like you say, there's, you know, plenty of opportunity here for Ashan to be able to come up, um, you know, due to whether it's injury or players dropping the ball, whatever it may be. He's that guy, kind of like Mark McLaughlin's that guy that, you know, is ready to come up and step in. Um, now, obviously, the one other guy that is the only other one that we can use as an equivalent when it comes to the style of play that Jack Ashan uh, plays with is Matty Grizzlick. Um, you know, do you want Ashan in over Grizzlick? I want more of just like a quick yes or no, just so I can like quickly get to the point on this one. But, you know, w- right now, would you have Ashan in over Grizzlick? Mark? Yes. Real? Really? Interesting. Yes. Over Jim? Grizzlick at this moment? Yeah, I'm gonna say no. Just, I agree with you, Jim. I'm gonna yeah. say no too. The, the 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 experience factor is more of anything. I listen. I love Ashan. I love him. I love everything I see. But let's at baby steps. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, because here we are. I mean, like I said, I'm going off of we are a team going for a cup here. That's yeah. where I'm going now. If we were rebuilding, trade Grizzly, put Ashan in there all day. Yeah. Trade Riley, put. Ashan in there all day. If you're rebuilding and building towards something great and you have like a plan, but they're going for a cup this year. And, you know, they have two options right now as we stand today that I think are above Jack Ashan. So I think this is the only situation right now where I see a player who deserves to be in the NHL, who's not getting that chance just because of where the team is at and the players he has above him. Cause you don't need three players doing the same thing you know, on your roster. I think we've gone over that before, Mark. There's really only a spot for one, maybe two of those types of guys in your defense. You don't want three of the same types. Um, So I I think his opportunity will come, but unfortunately it's not right this second. I think Gail has something. Yeah. So you talk about the three guys that do basically the same thing, but why do you put Grizzly above him given the injury history and the the factor that they do do the same thing and Ashan's going to be a lot cheaper. So why not give Ashan that if you're going for a cup to get him, you know what I mean? Cause that helps with cap space and it helps with the injuries and it helps with the depth the other way. So why not? Um, for me, cause I think Grizzly's a better player at this moment and has the veteran experience and can play in your top four without any doubt. Um, that's the quick answer for me. All right, before uh, let's move on to the next topic. I do want to talk about Taylor Hall and Matt Grizzlick. Um, most recently, they've been, you know, uh, in the Philly game. Uh, Fabian Lysel was uh, injured, and he was uh, he left um, upper body injury. And um, Taylor Hall in that same game left later on in that in that same second period, and he is now week to week as we as we talked about last week, um, but. Some good news on uh, Matt Grizzlick, as we just talked about. Uh, he could be coming back uh, sooner rather than later. So, um, you know, a body is a body, regardless of our thoughts on on the player as an individual. Um, but Taylor Hall being out for uh, any amount of time is is going to create some challenges, obviously, with uh, Jim Montgomery's roster to open the uh, 22-23 campaign. But 
what we're hearing is 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 possibly good news uh, moving forward as as both of them have I believe shed the uh, non-contact jersey. Is that is that correct? That's correct. So obviously that's a, a really good step in the right direction. So we might even see these guys um, sooner rather than later. Um, uh, so thoughts on um, them coming back and where, you know, how does this roster, how do you guys see the roster with uh, them coming back when we were thinking that Taylor Hall was week to week and then all of a sudden everybody's roster projections went into a, a tailspin. So, Gail, what are your thoughts on on their additions and uh, do you think they'll be ready? I hope that Hall's ready because uh, I think that Bergeron, especially deserves the right wing, you know, um, to replace Marchand at this time. And I think that the check line of Zaka, Pasnak, uh, and Krejci have gelled. Uh, they they obviously showed offensively what they can do in the New York game. And then last night, it wasn't so much. I mean, yes, you had a, a brilliant offensive play. It just wasn't as productive in terms of goals. But they're gelling and they're playing very well together. So I'm not opposed to seeing Hall play with Bergeron and DeBrus to start the season and see what they can do because I really think that Bergeron, he needs, he, he needs, he's such a leader and such a proponent part of this team. The fact that I think, Kevin, you brought it up why are we calling Bergeron the top line when it's really should be Krejci at this point? Bergeron deserves that. He, not because he's the captain, not because of his tenure, but because of the type of player he is. He needs, until Marshan comes back, and it's just like Montgomery said in one of his press conference, whoever goes into that slot right now is just a placeholder until Marshan comes back. You know Marshan's going to be there, but if not, where's their other scoring coming from if you don't give Bergeron the right wing, you know, in terms of left wing, not right wing, but you know what I mean. So that that's my thing is I'd love to see. And if Hall does go down with Krejci and Pasta, then move Zaka up and give him a shot with Ber, uh, Bergeron and DeBrusque because Pavel Zaka showed he has speed just like DeBrusque. Yeah. And, and, and to be honest with you, you can't really go wrong with this top six. I mean, you can have your favorites on particular line mates and so on and who, who should technically be up on the first first line because of tenure and captaincy and you're just a goddamn legend but still if if you have to mismatch those top lines that's not a bad thing to do i'm sure dave uh, patrice bergeron will compliment any line no matter what if even if he has to go to the second line but to be honest with you i i, I have to agree with gail i'm really excited about if Hall isn't involved in this lineup because of injury. I'm really intrigued about Zaka, Krejci, and Pasternak and how that line could particularly be a very lethal injection of offense that we've been really striving for when we're tr- continually trying to strive for secondary scoring and so on. And maybe, who knows, maybe a line like that will drive the line of Charlie Coyle to be more point productive. And, and, and then it just flows down flows down to your fourth line regardless of who's in there and and their uh you know point production contributions i mean if we have four lines of rolling offense oh my goodness i mean just get the jizz gif out there for me Mark, right now because it's just gonna explode I'm, I'm loving it i'm loving it and i'm ready for it um 
So my so for my whole reasoning, th- this was back before, um, you know, because I advocated for DeBrus going over to the left side and allowing someone to come up on Bergeron's right wing. I totally advocated for that because I think there's a better, I think you, there's a better situation on the right side to bring somebody up than I do the left side. Now Montgomery at this point in time was talking about how he was trying Greer, Frederick, and Felino on the left side of Bergeron and um, DeBrusque on the right side. Now for me in that situation, when I look at that top six, I don't see a one, a one B situation at all. I understand Bergeron is Bergeron. I understand DeBrusque is doing better, but that line's mostly Bergeron at that point. Now, when I look at that check line, when I look at Zaka, Krejci, Pasenak, I see a line that's a lot more complete, a line that is going to give you a much better opportunity to win every single night. So in that situation, I see a clear-cut number one line. It's just clear and cut regardless of if Bergeron's on it or not. That's just what I see. Now, when you talk about jumbling things up and turning it into a more 1A, 1B situation, which I made sure 100% to say that when you have a legitimate 1A, 1B situation at that point, it does not matter who your first line, second line on paper is because they're both getting the same minutes and they're both getting, you know, really good matchups and they're both giving you an opportunity to win every night. If you put Hall next to Bergeron and DeBrusque, I believe you have that again. I believe you now have that again. You have a very nice balance in that top six. And then once Martian comes back, you have it even better. So, you know, so at that point, it doesn't matter. But for me, when those comments were made, it was based all on where we were at that moment with Montgomery basically trying to put together a line that made no sense to me. Yeah. And it's not disrespectful for a Hall of Famer to drop down the line either. Uh, that that particular argument. In was, that In that situation, no. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't follow that argument at all when, you know, yes, Bergeron's a legend and he's, and he's practically, you know, God, but still, you know, if, if things needed to be changed, it's on the coach and it's not disrespectful to make a change when you have the reins of the roster. Well, and I think to my point that I said um, in that thread, Kevin, was that I think it's more how the opposing teams see the lines as well. You know, like the Bergeron line last year, they were put out against the top line of the opposing teams, you know, because that's who they thought they could stop the offense from. If we look on paper right now, you're a 100% spot on accurate that the Krejci line is the top line because that is the line that the opposing teams have to try and stop offensively right mm-hmm. now if the puck were to drop today with the lines the way they stand. Bergeron doesn't have a complete line right now. So it is Krejci's line, and it's Krejci's line to lose, you know, because as long as they produce, there's no reason why Montgomery should break them apart. Jim, thoughts on, uh, on all this before we go to the other topic? So going to the the uh, the internet naming of lines with the check line, I don't see how you break that up at this particular moment. Um you're going to find ways to mix and match with Bergeron, you know, whether it's Hall. Obviously, Marchand's going to be a huge improvement once he gets back. The only concern that I have is once Marchand does come back, who gets slotted where? 
and why. It's not more of a numbers thing. It's why. Are we going back to the time-tested formula of he's the guy that should be on that second line, which is going to Kevin's argument of is Bergeron in reality really the first line center or is that technically his line at the moment? I, I want to see from my own standpoint, I want to see more of Hall with Krejci. I really do. I, the small sample we got when they fleeced Buffalo and brought him in and what you saw with them at the tail end of that uh, first season and you never got a continuation of it last season. Once Marshan comes back, obviously there's going to be scenarios that dictate, but I do want to see what's going to happen there. I think there's something there. There's a bigger question mark with Zaka, obviously. There's just there's a whole unknown commodity there. Everybody's excited. I'm thrilled to see what he can do. Nothing says that it's a definite. I think it's more of a given with Paul slotting in on that line with Krejci somewhere down the road at this point in time. No, (laughs) absolutely not. You want your big guns out there firing. You want to create as many problems as you possibly can, you know, up and down the lineup for these teams to try to match up against. And at this particular time, they need to keep that second line with Krejci and uh, pasta and, and Zaka rolling as long as they're productive, as long as they're productive and they're playing smart hockey and th- the results are nothing but positive, then go for it, go for it. But I'm with the idea, the thinking that Martian's going to be when he comes back, the ultimate decision maker on this whole thing of where it's going to flow to. But until then, let's, let's see what it's got. Cause I think it's going to be, it's going to be interesting to see what those three have together. We saw it in the preseason game in MSG, and good lord, <laughs> it was it was something to see. It, it, it just I want to see what that turns into. And if you have to facilitate the lineup and you have to move somebody where they're not going to be comfortable playing, I wouldn't say not comfortable, but you know, it, it's not their sweet spot. A, a bouncing Taylor Hall to me up and down the lineup. I think he fits virtually everywhere inside that lineup. Uh, there's limitations once you get beyond that third line. And I want to get into the, you know, the Grizzly thing and what that's going to mean with their decisions on the, on the, on the roster. Cause there's certain guys that are obviously going to be impacted from that, but I'm, you know, maybe we can address that down the road in a little bit. But yeah. I'm, I'm with, keeping that line together for the time being. I have zero problem with it whatsoever. Gail, you wanted to add something to that? Yeah. So um, just because if Taylor Hall comes back and then Marshan comes back, I don't think you automatically bump Zaka off that line if they're producing. Like why break up a line that's producing just because you want to see if Taylor Hall and David Pasnock can get that chemistry again. Why Why break up something that's not broken? Why I, I don't think that that should be the automatic case that just because they're healthy that you automatically mess with the lines. You want to be able to take it game for game and be able to have the luxury of moving parts around it when it, everyone's healthy. So I, that was part of 
our biggest gripe with Claude, dating back to Claude Julian, that he didn't break up the lines when he needed to and didn't put players together when he needed to. But if it's not broken, don't break it apart. Let's see if they're rolling and they're producing, you know, even a point per game, the three of them together, there's no reason to say, okay, let's break them up because Taylor Hall's back and Marshan's back. I just, I don't like that line of thinking. I think it has to be based on production. So chemistry plays a, a heavy role in that as well. If you get solid chemistry, then you have to look at other sources of where a player can be beneficial too. I mean, I think this franchise, I mean, this, uh, this Bruins fan base will probably melt down if Taylor Hall was ever seen on the third line, right, uh, left side, you know, but, yeah. but still, I mean, if that, if, if that is what's needed to help out a player like Charlie Coyle be more productive, point productive, and, and, and a guy like Craig Smith, who, who, in my opinion, does shoot a lot and so on, but where has he been when it comes to offensive production? If Taylor Hall can be a complimentary piece to that line and kind of be the driver, I'm all for it. I'm all for winning. I'm all for putting the best freaking lineup together. Why not? You know, make those chances. And I, I agree 100% with Gail. It's just because you come back in the lineup and you're a certain player, air quotes, that you just get that roster spot. I don't believe so. So... Go ahead. We got one more before right. we take our third and final break. So I'm going to push back here. Um, and here's my reasoning why Taylor Hall goes right next to Krejci the second he's healthy. First reason, you put Hall on that third line. We saw that line last year. What did they do? Taylor Hall, Charlie Coyle, Craig Smith didn't work. It was a really bad line. Hated that line. There was nothing good that came out of that line. Um, second, Taylor Hall is a much better player than Pavel Zaka to this point today. Regardless of what he's doing on that line today, he's a great complimentary piece, but would he be doing that away from Krejci and um, Pasenak? I'm not so sure. I think if Pavel Zaka is doing great there, that's awesome. Gives him a ton of confidence to go down and play with Charlie Coyle and a guy like Craig Smith because we know that Taylor Hall – already has that chemistry with both Pasternak and Krejci, and that line would just be absolutely unstoppable. I just can't fathom leaving a guy like Taylor Hall out of the top six because Zaka is contributing nicely to the line. I think at this point, Zaka can go down. That's just my opinion. All right. Let's hear from the amazing folks at Can I Wellness. Can I Wellness offers you four distinct experiences for the different challenges you may face throughout the day. Can I sleep? Can I mend? Can I fresh? And can I boost? It's the trusted brand of sports, fitness, and wellness households. With over 50 vitamins, nutrients, and herbal extracts and four compact sprays, it's the most convenient way to get back on track with no pills, water, or messy powders. 90% of nutrients in these oral sprays are absorbed in less than 30 seconds. It's like an entire health food store in your pocket and is endorsed by Olympians, NHL players, and pro sports stars who rely on the KNI Wellness Company to support high performance. Let's talk about each product. KNI Boost allows you to skip the coffee and sugary snacks and energize the healthy way. Use daily before a workout or when studying for an exam and other times when you need increased clarity, stamina, and concentration. 
Can I Men provides after-party liver support and works fast to relieve hangovers in the morning after drinking. I use that quite often. This unique oral spray supplement is blended with 11 vegan vitamins and herbal extracts to replenish your body to combat headaches, sickness, and lack of energy. Can I Fresh reduces the stress and gives your body an immune system boost. Whether you're nervous before a presentation or need to calm down after a hectic day, the 11th the 11 natural and vegan ingredients in Can I Fresh take the edge off without making you tired or unmotivated. Can I Sleep? This is an all-natural and vegan sleep aid. is convenient and fast-absorbing. No mixing beverages or waiting for gummies to kick in. Just spray, roll over, and snooze. Control your dosage, dosage on how much sleep you need. If you want to try any of these fantastic Can I Wellness all-natural oral sprays, please go to caniwellness.com and use our promo code BNG25. That's BNG25 to get 25% off everything on the caniwellness.com website. We thank Can I Wellness for sponsoring this episode and our weekly Boston Bruins-related podcast. All right, we are back talking bees. Going to wrap up a little bit on the uh, the latter end of our 300th episode, and I cannot thank Mr. Kevin O'Keefe for joining us since uh, I think last this past February. Uh, Gail, I'm still not going to say your name. I will learn it. I will make an effort to learn the last name. But Gail, thank you so much for joining us, and obviously, Triani. thanks, buddy, and thanks to Jim as well oh. for uh, for joining us. I'm not gonna try it because I'm gonna bumble it, fumble it. Troy, 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 Troyani, Troyani. It's like Matthew Poitras. <laughs> Poitras. Yeah. But uh, no, we're back talking bees. Um, one topic that Jim uh, brought up, uh, we do have to discuss, and it just seems like we talk about it every week, but it's just it's kind of like the watch now, and it looks like forward David Pasternak and negotiating team of agents are prepared to take contract talks into the 22-23 regular season. Are we having any more concerns as the as the the regular season starts on Wednesday? Um, I know a lot of Bruins fans are a little uncomfortable going into the year with, with negotiations going on. But per Elliot Friedman a couple weeks ago on the 32 Thoughts, the hockey podcast with Jeff Merrick, he seems to think that the camp, the, the pass in that camp, is very comfortable going into season with these talks. So let's go to Gail first and, and just what do you, you have any concerns? Are you worried or it's just um, let's get to business. Let's do what we need to do and, and rock and roll. Uh, to quote David Pasternak and let me go back to my notes because he said it. Um, it's not his job to worry about his contract. It's his job to go out there, play hockey and help the team win. So I, I'm not worried about his performance. I'm not worried about, what he brings to the ice every single time he laces up the skates. Um, I think that Sweeney knows the importance of getting the deal done. And I think that he's kind of waiting to see what the other younger guys are getting out there to be able to go back to camp and say, all right, now that we see what other people are signing for, this is what we're going to give you. I think it's the length of contract that is what's going to tie it up more than the um, monetary value of it. I think that if Pasternak does sign his extension here, he wants something 
that's going to pretty much round out his career. He doesn't want a, another two, three, four-year deal. He wants like an eight-year deal. And I think that um, the Bruins have foolishly in the past given those long-term deals to the wrong players. And so I think that that's the holdup. But I'm not concerned. I think that they're going to get it done. I think they'll get it done sooner rather than later. It's not going to be like, I don't think we're going to see him test free agency. I think they'll get it done. Jim, what are your thoughts? 100% what she said. I, I The only thing is, and I'm going to give you the best financial <laughs> understanding. I can give you this. He's going to get a dump load of money and it is, it's deserved. The guy's a natural goal scorer. These guys do not grow on trees. Uh, they're hard to come by. If Sweeney doesn't understand that and Neely doesn't understand that and <coughs> Jacobs who are, you know, obviously going to be the, uh, you know, the payout to him, then they are mistaken as to what his value is to this team. Uh, you know, he's solidly penciled in for, I'd say minimally 40 a season. And again, those guys just don't come out of the woodwork. They're, they're really hard to find. Uh, he's still very much, I think, on his way up to his prime. Um, pay the man. <laughs> there you go. Pretty simple. Yeah. Pay the man. Every, the, the, only, the other factor that comes into this is what Gail was saying about where the market stands in relation to what he's looking for. And you see some of the money that is being tossed at we'll call them unproven commodities. Uh, He's a proven commodity. Again, just give him the money. Get it over with. Solve the issue. And I also wonder if, you know, everybody's kind of made this proclamation that this is the final go-around for Krejci and and Bergeron. If he's locked in long-term, does that extend their shelf life? I can't see any reason why not other than the fact that they're just going to, uh, you know, head off into the pasture. It, so. it might not extend their shelf life, but he's still a good cornerstone to keep yeah. with oh, this, yeah. uh, this organization to build forward. You know, Kevin, what are your thoughts on the, on the uh, passing act talks? First thing I'm going to say is Mark, are you making me talk about this again? I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry. Oh God, I can't Sorry, do it man. anymore. No, it's, well, we got we got some new folks joining us, so I want to get the on. You know, no, I'm only joking, uh, kind of. But um, it's it's um, they 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 both said it all. I mean, Gail especially. Okay. I mean, it's one of those things where you know he wants to be here. The team wants him to be here. He enjoyed his summer, and now let the talkie, let the hockey playing and the hockey talk begin. He's going to sign here. I'm not worried. No one else should be worried. Done. Yeah. All right. Um, real quick, Gail, I'm going to cut off the uh, the Bruins Zaka and making a case because I think we hammered that pretty good uh, earlier. So, But I will give you the floor on this next topic right here, and uh, that is concerns with Jake DeBrusque. Um, I'm, I'm concerned about your concern. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Uh, so I- – I know I'm probably in the minority for both fans and um, B&G colleagues. I'm not sold 100% on Jake DeBrusque. I, I, I haven't from the get-go. Um, 
he hasn't proven to me that he can be a consistent, solid player, not even just offensively, just solid, not, he shows glimpses of extravagant play where you're like, oh yes, that's, that's the Jake DeBrus we need. And then he's lazy. He doesn't skate for the puck. He doesn't go for the loose pucks. He, it's, if he's happy, he plays well. If he's unhappy, he doesn't play well. And to me, that's not a proven commodity that I want on this Bruins top six forwards. So when I talk about Hall coming back, not necessarily going down with Krejci and Pasta immediately, why not try him on the right with Marchand and Bergeron and send DeBrus down? I get that you have to keep him happy, but that's not cool in itself. Why are we keeping a certain player happy that hasn't proven to us that he can do it game in and game out? So those are my concerns. I need for him to play consistently and show and elevate his game while Marchand is out to prove that he deserves to be on that line. Jim, any concerns with Jake DeBrusque at all? I think we've seen the solution to the problem, and that's pairing them up with Bergeron and Martian. Obviously, Martian being out for the first, you know, potentially two months, it, it may impact what you see from DeBrusque. But I, I hate the fact, and this goes to what Gail said, I hate the fact that he is seemingly etched in stone on that first line just for the sake of placating him, keeping him happy. Uh, it, I, I've, I've been a big DeBrusque guy since his days in Providence, his early days. The dude was electric down there. Uh, and, it, and it translated after his first season down there. He came up, he was productive, and then we started going hills and valleys, hills and valleys. And how much of that plays into uh you know the the Cassidy factor of what seemingly is the two of them did not see eye to eye and you know eventually it I think it ultimately forced Cassidy's hand to make that call to put him up on that first line to I my my belief is at the time because he had the trade request put out there to management that was that a showcase of what he was capable of doing if he if they didn't ultimately see that he could stick in their plans long term and could they optimize his value at the at the uh, at the deadline last year and then when you saw what you saw production wise with you know arguably two of the better if not best 200 foot players in the league the onus is on him it's he has to be responsible with them two out there. And for the most part, I think you've seen that he has been. Uh, is it perfect? No. But, God, I fear what happens if you if you pull him away from his two binkies and and put him down to that third line. I hate to, you know, make it sound, you know, like a childish situation, but it, it almost comes off that way. Uh, you're not going to get his best unless you're – you know, putting him out there with the guys that matter the most. And that's what brings the best out of him. He is, for lack of, he's a professional. And 
up and down the lineup. If that's where you're asked to, uh, you know, give what you're supposed to give, then good God, you should be giving it to you. The, uh, you know, the streakiness in him is it, it's, it's eye opening at times, just how he disappears or he was disappearing before the pairing with the, uh, you know, 88 and not 88, 37 and uh, 63. It just, I wonder, do you break him mentally? <laughs> Yeah. Well, do you break him mentally if if there it has to be a shakeup where he is not, you know, capable of holding down that spot with them too? And I I, I don't know. I'm speaking for Dom Tiano, our, our co-host here, who is who is still under the weather and unable to join us. So shout out Dom, love you, buddy. Hope you hopefully you come back soon. But he seems to think that that might be just it. It might be um, if you keep moving Jake up and down the lineup, it's it might be something that he just can't get adjusted to. But also, you look at the uh, the gravitating factor that you're pairing, you're putting him in a uh, a trio uh, to give him the most success with Bergeron and Marchand as well. So good complementary players can do wonders for you. We've seen what they what Eric Holla, a player like Eric Holla, did on the second line. I mean, that guy's a fourth line anywhere else, but you put him on the second line in the Boston Bruins last year, and he got the best out of it, out of himself, uh, you know, making him a decent player. Good fill-in, stopgap, but he's not your second line center moving forward. So um, I could definitely see where, you know, where everybody's coming from on that. Um, go ahead, Kevin. You want to you wanna jump in on anything on the Jake DeBrusque? Sure. Um for, I mean, I'm dead. He said his two binkies. That's funny. I'm still <laughs> thinking about that. Um, it's I, I see a lot of good points. Um, I used to be one of those people who was on DeBrusque's ice constantly. Mark and I almost had a falling out over a Jake DeBrusque uh, conversation on Twitter. I hated you for a minute. <laughs> he did. He hated me for a minute. Um, but we got over it. Um, but it was it, Jake DeBrusque. Um, even, and I'm, I'm not going to talk about the COVID season that really affected him. I'm not going to talk about that because mental health is a very, um, touchy subject for me. I, you know, I deal with it myself. So I, I feel for anyone, um, who deals with anything that has to do with mental health. So I'm not going to touch upon that season, but before that season, um, it, when he was mainly playing with Krejci on that second line, he was very streaky. You know, he got his 27 goals, his, I think, uh, I forget his other goal total that he had, but I know he had a 27 goal total in there. Um, but he was very streaky. I always said to myself, if Jake DeBrus can have a good first half of his season that he complements with what he always has as a good second half of the season, you'd have a really damn good player there. Because in that second half of the season, he's competing. He's working hard. He's using the boards. He's shooting. He's using his speed correctly. He's doing everything you want to see out of this player. Um, now, I want to go back to last season now. Um, Jake DeBrusque, at the start, we were seeing more of that streakiness out of him. We were like, okay, here we go again. Same Jake DeBrusque. But then, for some reason, it's almost like a light switch. Boom, here we are, second half. Now, before he got put on that line with um, Patrice Bergeron and Brad Marchand, we saw a player who was playing on the third line with Charlie Coyle and Craig Smith who looked energized. He looked like he was going out there and really playing hard, and he looked well with those two players. I thought he did. And then, of course, he got that upgrade to playing with Marchand and Bergeron. And, of course, if you're playing with them, you're – 
ceiling is skyrocketing. I mean, look, to Mark's point about Eric Holla, I mean, you know, typically a bottom six guy who is now playing in a top six role, who's really excelling to the best that he possibly can because he's playing with two all-star caliber players in uh, 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 David Pasternak and Taylor Hall. Um, so since that point where he started playing well on that third line and moved into that top six leading into this preseason, I've seen nothing but that player that I want to see play. So I'm hoping that he has passed all this and I'm hoping that he is able to continue what he is doing. And if he does, I foresee easily a 30 goal season for him this year. And I pray he gets that for everybody because we all want to see him succeed. So, um, Good luck to Brusque, and that's what I have to say. All right, uh, we got we got to wrap up uh, here. We got about fifteen minutes to go, and we got a couple more topics to to, to talk about. Um, but I, I did want to talk about Jake DeBrus too. Um, I really want to see him take an, an an extra level this year. He seems like he's more comfortable and ready to really go to work. He's had a really, in my opinion, a strong off season from the games that I've seen, uh, and seems a little bit happier. So it's on him to be ultimately to, to succeed and so on. He's being put into positions where he can succeed and, and in a lineup where, you know, he can get the help and the, and the encouragement that he needs, obviously. Um, but if, if everything all else fails, I mean, you have to the trade deadline and he carries on an extra year of his contract, which is beneficial if you have to move him to another team. Another team might find that year very attractive. It, say if he wants to, if uh, if there's a trade out west and so on, then he can go out west and, and still have a whole year to negotiate extra term with them if things don't work out here in Boston. But it is very important that he gets on the same uh, on track and 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 does it because he's going to be heavily leaned on for to drive some offense because of uh, Brad Marchand not being around. Go ahead, Gail. Um, so just to ask a question, any one of you can answer. Um, if he doesn't produce. If we see the old first half Jake DeBrus that isn't producing, especially with Marshand out, and Montgomery either makes him a healthy scratch or moves him down the lineup, and all of a sudden he's like, "Oh, I want to trade again." I mean, do we want that type of player on no. our, on the roster? I mean, how often do you put up with it? He's not a David Prosnock, and he's not a Brad Marshand. Yeah, I, I kind of think that this will this is only going to happen once, and then. It's pretty much going to be the writing on the wall. It's, we need to move this this player now because it's just going to set a, an awful narrative to, you know, a, a lot of internet hate, put it that way. I, I will say real quick, if DeBrusque fails in this position that he's been given, the Boston Bruins are screwed this year. And that's all I'm going to say because they do not have another guy who can slot in on that right wing in that top six that can make an impact. And uh, and that includes a guy like McLaughlin. I, I I like his game. I think that he's right for the NHL. But do I think he's going to be able to impact a top six the way that DeBrus can when he's actually playing his game? Absolutely not. I think he's more suited for a third line role right now. I think this team is screwed if DeBrus fails. But I don't foresee him failing. Um, I'm going to stay optimistic on it. Um, but I, I do agree with you, Gail. If things don't work out for him here, it, the writing's on the wall. It's time for to move on from that project, but I think he's, uh, I, I think he's going to be okay moving forward, but we'll see. All right. Um, let's uh, quickly go through these. Um, I wish we had a little more time for this one because it kind of is, is, is important, but has defenseman Anton Stroman, um, who's uh, currently on a PTO right now, 
how are we feeling about him and possibly getting a contract? Can I answer really quick first? Not yeah, to ahead. cut anyone line. It's just a quick statement and then Gail can go. And this is for Jim. Yes, because Connor Clifton sucks. <laughs> okay, Gail, go right on. You're the next uh, one. <laughs> to, <laughs> thank you, Kevin, for that. Uh, he's his veteran patience is something that can only help this team. If it comes down to him and Connor Clifton, I'd rather have him. I don't want to lose Lindholm, McAvoy, Carlo. I don't want to lose any of those guys. But if we can keep him and get rid of Clifton, I'm all for it. I'm all for it. Jim, I know you're going to be on board with that. Yeah. no, You've already I, got the guys' pa- uh, uh, I, bags packed. I Yeah, I do. I mean, I'm, I'm, I've got one of those carts at Logan ready to shuttle him through the terminal it's i thought earlier in the week that strawman may have had a stronger case for actually uh getting himself a contract here i wonder how much grizzly coming back early may put a little bit of a hindrance to that um you have to like what you've seen out of him for the most part uh the veteran presence is you know you really can't beat that kind of stuff, especially on the back line. You know, you want guys that are, uh, you know, good decision makers moving the puck. You want, you know, those quick and easy, uh, you know, exits out of the zone, start moving the puck in, in a, you know, a northerly fashion as quickly as possible. You're not going to get that with Clifton. You're just not. But then I go back to my thing with the kids and bringing Strawman in, and you know maybe it does bump Clifton aside. What does that do for the possible uh, bringing up of Ashan into the lineup again? Does it just do we create another logjam and prevent these kids from getting an opportunity if they are in fact producing down in Province, whether it's Ashan or whoever it may be that they deem fit to, you know, get their chance. Uh, I don't want to ride and die with Clifton ultimately, but the Grizzly, if he is back on Wednesday night, it may serve as the end for Strawman. And it's, I think, kind of unfortunate if it is, because are they, are they willing to move on from Clifton? Are they really ready to move on? Whether it's a demotion or if they actually have a, a, a dance partner for a trade, I don't really know. I don't think anybody knows, but it, it's he's a absolutely better option than Connor Clifton. Cliffy hockey. Hasta I uh, la vista. I uh, <clears throat> I was a little hard on Strawman to begin the uh, the preseason. I wasn't. I, I mean, I was I was in favor of him coming in on a PTO but not as in uh, a contract ability player. Uh, I just thought he was going to push some of the younger guys. I saw him gliding a lot in his first couple, uh, first game, uh, reaching and not moving his feet enough. That kind of set me off on a bad tone. But uh, as he got more camaraderie in the, uh, in the Bruins organization, you start to see his veteran presence be a little more known. So I'm not, I'm not, you know, totally out on on him being a a, um, a member here in the future, but I still w- would like to give it to somebody that's younger and earning it internally. But 
you know, I'm all for whatever's winning. So if this is something that's going to help the team win, then I'm for it. So, um, you know, I'll eat crow big time on that. Uh, no problem at all. Um, can I can I get a little quick thing in? Um, yep. For, for me, um, you know, other than the Cole Clifton thing, you know, I was I, I wasn't joking, but I have more to say about it. Um, I, I think I think he's earned a spot. I really do. I think that he's came out. He's shown I can be very valuable to this team. Um, especially in a situation where you see guys like uh, Connor Clifton not really doing what we expect of him. He's he, he's great in the playoffs. I love him in the playoffs. Every single year he shows up for the playoffs, but dude, show up for the regular season. Come on, man. Like it's about that time. Just do it. But then I look at a guy like Zaboro. I love Zaboro. Mark knows how much I love Zaboro. I, I think if me and Mark could, we would get photos of Zaboro's face in a heart on our, our shirts. We love him. Are you kidding? But, I've had a kickstand since he was with the team last year. <laughs> but the second half of this preseason for him has not been okay to me. Yeah. It's not been encouraging. And going into this season when defense is of extreme importance, especially for this goaltending tandem, they, they're good. They're going to need to be very good. But they also are going to need some help from this defense. I think adding in a guy like Anton Strahlman to, you know, to be in there will be very beneficial for this team. I do think he gets a contract. I'm, I, I do think if he doesn't, then I'm wrong. Oh well. But I, I do think he does get a contract, and I think you do see him slotting in there. And then moving forward, when the team is healthy, it comes down to Strahlman, Zaboral, or Clifton. Who's going to be that guy on the bottom pairing of the right side? It's going to depend on how each of them play. Clifton, in my eyes, is an automatic out. I think it comes down to Zaboral and Strawman. Can Zaboral bounce back? Can Strawman be that guy who pushes Zaboral to say, okay, I do need to be better than I was in the last leg of this preseason? Or does he just not work out and you at least have Strawman to go in there, a steady guy who, who has given you t- not us personally, but in the league is, you know, up to last season, 20 minutes a night. He's not a bad defenseman. He gets the shot through on net. I think he could definitely work well with a guy like either. I think you'd work well with a guy like Forbort, but at this point when you have Grizzly come back and you have Riley and Forbort, what do you do there? There are so many things that you got to wonder once this team is healthy. But I and think Ma- Strawman and McAvoy, McAvoy yep. factors in. Obviously, that's going to it just bumps everybody right yep. down the list. Yep, McAvoy, uh, Carlo, Strawman, Zab- or Zaboral. That's what you're looking at. The right side's kind of easy to figure out, but that left side's going to be tough. Um, right. But yeah, that's it. All right, let's uh, take a quick voicemail. Mike Sullivan called in on the Black and Gold uh, Hockey Podcast uh, listener hotline. So here's Mike. Guys, this is uh, Mike Sullivan here. Congratulations on 300, first and foremost. A lot of hard work was put into that, and, you know, it's been a joy listening in. Um, But my question is, with Taylor Hall's injury, can you guys see the Krejci line maybe taking that first line spot and bumping Bergeron down to the second? to play with guys, you know, who are healthy. Thanks. Bye. Yeah, we already already touched on that thoroughly uh, in the beginning of the episode of this episode 300. But um, I do want to thank Mike for, uh, you know, participating in the uh, 
in the uh, listener hotline. And please, if anybody else wants to get in touch with us anytime during the week, 24-7, leave a voicemail. That's The phone number is 978-504-2727. So we'd love to get some more uh, audio submissions uh, via that way uh, for more content. So um, last two I want to – or last three I want to talk about. We're running out of time. I'm just going to – uh, Bruins prospect Matthew Portra is, uh, is red hot to start the OHL 2022-2023 regular season with the Guelph Storm. Currently on a four-game point streak. He's got two goals, five assists, seven points. So he's uh, been looking really good. Uh, the uh, Providence Bruins, I'm really excited. Uh, we got NHL Bruins coming up on, on Wednesday night. And the Providence Bruins return to their uh, regular season. At the new Amica Mutual Pavilion. I know that's tough for me and Jim to hear, but um, you know it's going to be an exciting season. That's kicking off on Friday, October fourteenth. Uh, Jim uh, Swindells is uh, our guest here. He's also going to be a Providence Bruins credentialed writer, along with me and several other people on the BNG crew. So we're looking forward to uh, lots of coverage uh, via uh, AHL Bruins that people will really, really enjoy, and. Um, one thing I do want to touch on was the uh, Boston Bruins are going to practice at the Naval Academy in Annapolis, Maryland on Tuesday. Uh, one final group session before the uh, season starts in Washington on Wednesday. So really stoked about that. And uh, I do want to wrap up on uh, mentioning that we do have a Patreon account that is currently going on. If you want to donate $1 per episode, we do about four to six episodes per month. But um, if you want to participate, please go to patreon.com slash black and gold hockey podcast. And like I said, donate one dollar. And what we do is we take half of your your dollar and we pay the bills here at the black and gold productions uh, sports media company. And the other half, we roll into some fantastic prizes, much like this. And what what we're doing is at at the end of the month, the, the last Sunday of this month, when we do a podcast, we're giving away a hand signed Ray Bork prize pack. Unbelievable. Four items, not just a jersey every month, four items to kick off. We got hockey back, and I'm really excited to mention this. But it is a hand-signed Ray Bork jersey, fully authenticated. A hand-signed mini helmet from Ray Bork, again, fully authenticated. A 8x10 Ray Bork hand-signed photo, fully authenticated. And, of course, a hand-signed puck from the legend himself, Ray Bork, and that is authenticated as well. All real stuff, no fake stuff at all. And this is from uh, Bruce Sullivan from Boston Sports and Music Memorabilia. We truly appreciate him as well. But, again, one more time, please go to patreon.com slash black and gold hockey podcast to be eligible to win that big prize pack and a jersey giveaway every month from here on to the end of the year. Uh, so thank you very much to all our Patreon members. We truly appreciate your final financial support. And we also truly appreciate everybody else who's been interacting with our, with our company colleagues, uh, sharing and, and retweeting and, and um, just everything that you guys do are absolutely amazing. But speaking of absolutely amazing people, I do want to uh, touch on everybody that's come here on the panel today to celebrate this 300th episode. It was a real pleasure to meet you, uh, Gail. And, uh, and Jim, uh, thank you so much for the time today to talk Boston Bruins hockey as we gear up for the 22-23 season. Kevin, always a pleasure to see your mug uh, every week, and uh, I'm glad you're feeling better. 
and uh, and, and gearing up for the uh, the upcoming Bruins campaign. Um, so, if anybody wants to uh, mention their uh, Twitter handles uh, and 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 promote some stuff that might be coming out from from BlackAndGoldHockey.com, feel free to do it now, Gail. I just want to thank you for having me on today. It was a pleasure to get to the nitty gritty with you guys, you gentlemen, I should say, being the lone female today. I know we got a couple of females in our little company here, but um, it, it's always an honor when you're a female to have a voice, especially in this sport. Um, you can reach out to me at Lady Bruins Fan on Twitter. I'm always looking for great story ideas, and I would love to do Drop the Gloves with one of you. <laughs> Jim Swindells, uh, uh, do you have anything you want to promote and mention your um, your, your Twitter handle too, please? Uh, the Twitter handle is at Jim Swindells sixty eight. Uh, basically, I just want to wrap it up by thanking Mark, thanking Kevin for having myself and Gail here. Uh, congratulations on that three hundred. That's just it, it, it's an insane amount of content that you guys put out there, and it is extremely entertaining to listen to. I, I will easily say i enjoy listening to you two guys you're a lot of fun to listen to absolutely and, uh, just you know prolonged success keep keep the wheels moving well it, it, to be honest with you we can't do it without folks like you and gail jim you guys really drive the boat here we have a tremendous crew of over 25 writers here at bng and and over i think 50 members when you consider the podcast network as well so um, again, if you want to join our growing crew, reach out black and gold productions, LLC at gmail.com. Send me a cover letter tell us a little bit about what kind of content you want to, you know, provide our, our sports media company. And if it's, if it's good and you, and you, and you, and you grind it out, you'll have opportunities like myself and Mike, uh, Mike Sullivan and, and Jim Swaddell's, uh, for his first, uh, Hold on. uh-oh. <laughs> Felino's on waivers. Is, now wait, there's a lot of rumors going around. Is that from a check mark? Hold on. Uh it's uh well even Mike Sullivan put it with Riley and Wagner. Carter Ryan. The Bruins have placed Nick Felino, Mike Riley, and Chris Wagner on waivers. Wow. NHL News. Boston has waived Nick Felino. Something's yeah. going on. Chris Johnson. Chris Johnson, um, yeah. Wow, huge Felino, news! Mike Riley and Chris Wagner all on waivers. Look at Gail coming in here breaking news on her first Former podcast. Blue and Anton Bleed also thrown on waivers. Yeah. Wow, this is this is crazy. Look at Eric. I mean, Eric. Look at Kevin. <laughs> Kevin's a little. <laughs> he's just out of it. I'm baffled. What are they doing? I, I have I, no so idea. That means to me. <sighs> I don't know what that means to me. What are they? What? Why Riley? I, I I'm confused no about Riley, big time. Right. They, I'm con, they must be trading somebody. Something, I, I'm going so on. confused by Riley. That tells me that Strawman has a contract, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep, absolutely. Yep. Strawman's got a contract, and that tells me that Grizzlick is ready to start the year. Yep. Yes, yeah. and that tells me they're probably trading Riley, and they're probably going to work on trying to trade Felino. Um, yeah. I mean, Does I think we knew Wagner was going to go back down if yeah. if they were able to. Um, yeah. But it could be like what Pikepedia said. Maybe they wanted to wait, and now they can bring McLaughlin back up. Absolutely. Did Lauko win a spot? Oh, I don't know. 
I don't know. He was pretty upset uh, about a lot of people talking why he was mm-hmm. still there over a player like Mark McLaughlin and so on. But he had knows. a good game last night. Yeah, he Welcome. had a good game. I, I just I, I need I need to see more from the guy. I've been I've been covering the Providence Bruins for a while since he's been around. And I've seen his career in the in the uh, in the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League and so on. I just want to see more of him, uh, being a third round pick and being that you know, that next one that so many people have uh, touted highly. But uh, it's, listen, it's, I think I'm my jaw with Mike Riley is. <laughs> I like, know. Yeah. Yeah. I, know, I mean, I'm but... kind of glad that Nick Felino's on waivers. He did have a great game last night, and I really wanted him to trend upward for this season. But Mike Riley was the guy that I thought was really going to make an impact under Jim Montgomery this year. True. And he was, yeah. All right. But uh, with all that breaking news that Gail has brought to our uh, panel today, I do want to mention that please go to blackandgohockey.com because I'm sure there's going to be a a few writers that are going to be writing about that breaking news that Gail mentioned. And uh, we'll be talking about uh, it next week if everybody clears waivers on the the first uh, episode two. Well, no, episode 301 of season seven. We'll talk all that news next week. But I'm your host, Mark Allred. That is Kevin O'Keefe. That's Miss Gale. Still can't say the name. And that's Jim Swindell's down the bottom. Thank you so much, everybody. Thank you so much, everybody, for joining the program. Take care, everyone. Truly appreciate it. And peace out, everybody. Go bees. Let's effing go. Thanks again for tuning in and supporting this week's episode of the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. Please give the show a five-star rating and write a review on listening platforms such as Apple Podcasts and Spotify Podcasts. If you'd like to contact the show for advertising opportunities or to send us a question or topic idea we should be discussing, please send us an email to blackandgoldproductionsllc at gmail.com. Don't forget to share our program on your social media platforms with other hockey fans and follow our Twitter accounts at Black and Gold Pod, at BNG Productions, at Black and Gold 277, and at Kevin underscore O'Keefe 89. Also, please don't forget to check out our official blackandgoldhockey.com website where we cover the Bruins organization from the NHL level down to the prospects worldwide. Peace out.